Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. But before I get started this morning, I just, I just want everybody here to, uh, you guys are really good to listen. You guys are really good to, uh, to, to take the word of God. Uh, but I just want to ask before we start the message, um, if, if we're preaching the word of God and the message is coming from God, isn't that serious? And don't we really need to give it our full attention and, and to take it in and change our lives? Uh, there was a lot of talk in Sunday school about uh, now we know the truth. Uh, now, the, there's, now there's a job of putting it into place. And we all have to struggle with that. Uh, and this message will, will be like that probably. But, uh, but my point is we need to apply this to our lives. So before we get into the message, uh, let, me, let me just give you just a little bit of introduction um, I think we're at a place in our church, um, if I were to, to give you my perspective on the church, I think the church is doing very well. Uh, we, we, we've got a lot of things going for us. I think a lot of things have been, um, have, have been improved to the place uh, that, that they're, they're uh, pleasing to the Lord. I think that we have good worship in this church. And not, not only are we worshiping good, but we're worshiping together. And if you're a singer or a preacher and you're up here and you can look back and you can see that the, that the congregation is worshiping God, that's a great blessing, amen? Uh, we, we are a place where this is a tremendous blessing at this church. Uh, very few churches can say this, but most of our people are very faithful to come to church. Isn't that amazing? We have Sunday night services. We have Sunday, uh, Wednesday night services. We have Sunday morning. And our people are very faithful to come. Uh, we, we have a very strong core uh, that, it, that is very strong and that is, that is growing. Uh, we, we are growing in our understanding of the Word of God. Uh, we are a very hardworking church. Amen? We're a very hardworking church. We, we, we work hard here. Probably one of the hardest working churches you'll ever find. And, and we, when we have a job due, we just all pull together and we work hard. Uh, we have we have unity. We just stop and praise God right there. We have unity. There there isn't this this fraction going this way and fraction going this way and and fighting back and forth. There there is a togetherness that we're in this thing together. Is it, there is a love and a unity and praise God for it. We are a multi generational church. That's a big deal. That is a really big deal. You travel around churches, there are a lot of churches where everyone is older, everyone is younger, but when you can get little little, little ones, knee highs, and you can get um, everything in between up until we get older, that is a tremendous blessing. That's how it's supposed to be. Praise God for it. And if I could just wrap all of that up together and say this, we're family. We're family. I hope everybody here feels that way, but we are family. Uh, we, we say Brother Terry and and Brother Steve and, and Sister Joyce, we're family. It's not just words. This is my family. This is my life. And so there's a lot of really great things going on at the church. Uh, a lot of things that I've, I feel that we are, are lining in right in with the Word of God. There are uh, uh, two things that I can see that we, we need to improve on. And today we're going to address one of those. Um, and that subject we're going to address today is evangelism. Evangelism. Now, at Sand Hill Church, 
that has been preached about until you're tired of it. If you've been coming here any time at all, we have preached so much about evangelism. I don't think there's the need. I don't think there is a, uh, I don't think if anybody's been coming here any time, I don't think you're going to say to yourself, I'm not sure if we're supposed to be doing that or not. Listen, we have preached this. I literally preached that so much that I had someone come to me and say, would you please preach on something besides evangelism? That's all you ever preach about. So I think that, I don't think that we, I don't think that we um, uh, need an explanation that we're supposed to be evangelizing, but we need to be evangelizing. Right? And it's, it's like we said, so we can know we're supposed to be evangelizing, but we're supposed to be evangelizing. And we can go out of here saying, yeah, we're supposed to tell people about Jesus, but we're supposed to tell people about Jesus. Right? It isn't good enough just to say, I know we're supposed to. We actually have to do it. So we know we're supposed to. We understand the needs. If you've been going here very long, especially if you've been going here for a long time, we have tried a lot of things. Those of you who's been here a long time, I mean, we've, we've tried door to door, we've tried events, we've tried, I mean, we've just tried everything. We've tried fairs and carnivals, and we, we've tried everything we can trying to get the, the gospel out to the people. I don't think that the church needs another message on we need to be evangelists. Brother Miguel, I think everybody knows this by now, but Brother Miguel has, has such a burden and such a heart for evangelism. He's been really pushing me and really talking to me about how, how we need to evangelize. And, and, and we have a training uh, um, conference coming up here at the church. I, I believe it's around the end of August. And, and Brother Miguel is going to be giving you a little bit more details from that. Uh, but, but I want us to understand that... Um, Though we understand we're supposed to be evangelizing, I think we're missing something. I think we're missing something. And this morning, I, I don't come to give you a guilt trip. How many of you can remember, I remember this when I was a little kid. How many of you can remember, um, evangelizing is hard, okay? Well, if you understand what I'm talking about, I am talking about you're going up to someone you do not know, maybe a street, or maybe someone you do know, but they're lost and you're telling them, I want to tell you about Jesus, and if you don't accept him, you're going to go to hell, Okay? That, that's difficult for most people. But I can remember when I was, I can remember, and this is kind of the way it was done uh, years ago, but I can remember as a child, it was, it was kind of like this. Um, you don't love Jesus if you don't go out and tell everybody you see about Jesus, right? And so there was this guilt and there was this anxiety and I was nervous and I was scared and I would go out and I, okay, I'm going to tell about Jesus. And I knew they're not going to accept the Lord, but I'm just going to tell them so I get it over so I don't feel bad. And then I, listen, that's not witnessing. That, that's not evangelism. And that's not, and I, and I, so I don't come, I just, everybody take a deep breath. I don't come this morning to give you a guilt trip. I don't come to say, you rotten people, you got to tell people about Jesus. That's not what I've come for. I have good news this morning. I have good news. And I'm so excited to share it, about, uh, share it with you. Um, and this message is real, real simple. It's about as simple as it can be. But again, the Lord has really just revealed to me that this, uh, this really came from him. But I, I, as I studied this, and just in so many ways God affirmed this to me, as I studied this, it just becomes so plain to me um, what, what the Bible's trying to tell us. <clears throat> so let, let's get a couple of challenges, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Let's get a couple of challenges that we have to face um, if we want to evangelize people. So, so before I go for everybody's on the same page, we're supposed to be evangelizing. We're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. That, that's what we're supposed to be doing. I think we know that. 
Here's a few challenges that we have, a few difficulties we have. If you go out to the street today, if we go door to door knocking, if we go, we go out to Walmart and just start witnessing people, if we go to, you are undoubtedly going to run into a whole bunch of people who have either watched on TV, listened on the radio, or went to some church and heard a bunch of false doctrine. And, and they think, oh, I believe in God and I'm religious and I go to church and I go to this, such, such, so. And, and their doctrine is so twisted. And it's very clear this person is not a Christian. This person is lost and on their way to hell. Uh, but they know all about God. And now if you're going to evangelize, now your challenge is I've got to untangle that mess and get them to the truth. That's a difficult thing uh, that we have to live with in our day. Right along with that, um, I've, I've read a book, um, and the title of this book is Nuns, N-O-N-E-S, Nuns. Do anybody know what nuns are? They're not Catholic, by the way. Nuns, they, don't have, they have nothing. They're none. They're not Baptists. They're not Methodists. They're not, they're, they're not anything. They, 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 they don't know God. They don't know the Bible. They never went to church. Mom and dad didn't go to church. Grandma and grandpa didn't go to church. They know nothing, literally nothing about the Bible or Jesus or anything else. And you're going to tell them about Jesus and they're going to look at you like, what are you talking about? That's a challenge. That's a challenge, right? And, and probably one of the most difficult challenges that we face in evangelism is this right here. We say this all the time, and this staggers my mind, and I, I don't want to give the devil any credit, but this is one of his greatest feats. How many of you know that everybody in every house, as far as we can go in every direction around here, is all going to heaven? Every, nobody's going to hell anymore. I mean, every single person anywhere. You go to Walmart, and everybody you see there, everybody's going to heaven, right? You go to all the bars in Sandusky, everybody there is going to heaven. There are no people anymore that are going to hell. Everybody's going to heaven. And I say that facetiously, but what I mean by that is when you start witnessing to someone who is living a sinful lifestyle, who needs Jesus Christ and has never been saved, they think they're going to heaven because nobody goes to hell. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. And so we have some obstacles in our way if we want to evangelize here at Sand Hill Church. <clears throat> and I don't know about you guys but as I look at these things, as much as I know the Word of God tells us we're supposed to evangelize, I look at these obstacles and I say, it's impossible. It's, it's just impossible. How are you going to take someone who has all kinds of crazy beliefs and straighten all that out and tell them we're right and they're wrong? How are you going to take someone who has no beliefs and get them to believe the Bible? How are you going to take someone who knows they're going to heaven, but they're going to hell and convince them that they're actually lost? We have some obstacles in front of us. So turn, look with me to uh, Mark chapter 6, a real, real simple message. It, I, I, it's just about as simple as it could possibly be, but I believe it is very powerful if we will listen. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6, verse 35, you'd stand and honor God's word if you would. Uh, just going to read three verses. And when the day was now far spent, verse 35, his disciples came unto him and said... This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he, Jesus, answered and said unto them, 
Give ye them to eat. And that's all I want to read. Let us pray. <clears throat> uh, Father, how I thank you for our heart is stirred this morning. How I thank you for all that are here. And Lord, as we look at your word, I pray that, Lord, we would, uh, you would hide me behind the cross. I pray they would not see me. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to the hearts of all of us. And Lord, may we leave here with an understanding uh, different than we came in with, I pray in Jesus' holy name. And amen. So as we look at this text, if you look back a few verses, the disciples, Jesus has sent them out. They've been ministering. They've come back. They said, Jesus, we want to tell you what great things we've done. Uh, and Jesus literally says this. He said, you've been so busy that you don't even have time to eat. And he said, let's go into a desert place. And, and, and there's this huge, huge crowd around them. And, and, and the Bible says there was 5,000 men. And that day they didn't count everybody but except for the men. So if you'll have it, there were 5,000 families there. So I think it is reasonable to say that most of those men probably had wives and kids. So we are talking uh, probably somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people that are there. So we have the 12 disciples and we have Jesus standing there saying, to the 12 disciples, see that 15, 20,000 people? You guys go feed them. Now, it, it would be so much more exciting to preach this message if you guys had never read the Bible, <laughs> if you didn't know the rest of the story. Because I could, I could say, what are we going to do now? But, but you guys already know the rest of the story. So just kind of work with me here if we, did, if we didn't know. So he, we stopped on, go, give ye them to eat. They look at each other. We've got a couple loaves of bread. We've got a few fishes. We've got 15,000 people here. <laughs> Has he lost his mind? What's wrong with Jesus? This is not possible what he's asking us to do. You guys agree with me? Let, let's get into it. We, we don't know how this is going to turn out. You've got 15,000 people. You know, we have a big crowd here. Uh, you sisters know we have a big crowd here and the church is packed. And we say, oh, no, do we have enough food out back, Right. Well, think about if 15,000 people showed up, right? And you got five loaves of bread. Some of you sisters are going to be going, oh, what are we going to do, right? But Jesus said, give ye them to eat. Here's what I want you guys to get this morning. You guys, you guys work with me here. Theologically, this is so exciting. I could just shout right here. This is so exciting. Theologically, when Jesus says, when Jesus commands, it is already reality. Now you think about that. That just blows your mind, don't it? In other words, can the creator of the universe tell you to do something and then you can't get it done? No. If he says do it, it's going to happen. So in theory and literally, it, when Jesus said go feed them, it had already been taken care of. It was already a done deal. Those people were going to eat that day. Could the disciples feed those people? Absolutely not. There's no way. I don't care how, how little pieces you break those little bread, loaves of bread into, you're not going to feed 15,000 people a couple loaves of bread, right? Five loaves of bread. But could God feed 15,000 people with five loaves of bread? Are, are, we seeing, are we seeing where we're going this morning? So Jesus told... 12 men to feed 15,000 people with a few loaves of bread and fishes. That's impossible, but he said do it. And because he said do it, it was already a reality. But Jesus also told uh, those same men, 
after he rose from the dead, he told those same men, go you into all of the world and preach the gospel, see people saved, disciple them, baptize them, and then send them out to bring more people in. Which one's harder? Would you rather have to feed 15,000 people with five loaves of bread, or would you rather have to have a bunch of uneducated men go evangelize the entire world? But when Jesus commanded it, was it not already reality? Am I making sense? In other words, God can't tell you, go do this, but I, I, know, I know you can't. I know you're not going to. Now, was there any way that those men could go evangelize the whole world? There was no way. Anybody would have looked at that and said, Jesus, you don't know what you're working with here. Those guys are never going to evangelize the world. But we give it a few years, and the Roman rulers were saying, these are the men that have turned the world upside down. How'd they do that? How'd they do that? Because they were great preachers? No. Because they, they really knew the Bible? No. Because it took the supernatural hand of God to make it happen. Are you guys with me? And so it was an impossibility when he told them to feed the 5,000, but it was also an impossibility when he told them to go into all the world. Uh, but how many of you know that they did feed the 15,000? And how many of you know that they did go evangelize the world? And how many of you know that in 2021 that, that command has not changed? If you're following my logic, if you're following my what I'm saying... If God has commanded the Sand Hill Church to go and tell people about Jesus, it's already reality. Is it me following? It's already reality. And he can't, listen, if God commanded us to do something, he said, this is my command, uh, but I'm not going to make it happen. Now he is an unjust God because he has commanded us to do something that we're not going to be able to do. But with the command comes the power. And the power, he said, he said in that same uh, great commission, he said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. And then he said, go into and, and, and all the world and preach the gospel. And then he said, lo, I am with you. So all power is going with you wherever you go. So here's, here's what I want to get you guys thinking. I've talked to a few missionaries. This is just such a blessing. Now, you guys know, if you've been here very long, we, we've had a lot of missionaries in this church. And a lot of those are really young people. You know, and they, and they come and, and you know, they're, they're preachers and whatever. But they're just young guys. You know, a lot of them are just 20, 21 years old, 22 years old. And they're going to the mission field. They're going where the gospel is not there. They're going to preach the gospel. But I, I usually always take them in my office, talk to them beforehand, kind of have an understanding of where they're at, what to do. And here are these young men. I've had so many of them look at me and this is what they say. I'm going over there and I will start a church and I will See a lot of people saved. What? Listen, there was no, it might happen. I'm going to pray about it. We'll see if it happens. There was a, and this is, what, this is what they tell me then. Because God said I should. Is anybody following me? Is this argument making any sense? They said, God said for me to go and be a missionary. And because God said for me to go, that means God will, is anybody getting this? God will give me what he said I'm supposed to be doing. If God has told Sand Hill to be evangelizing, doesn't God have to give us 
what we're doing. Does that make sense? So this changes everything. This just changes everything. And so if we look at it, the first thing that we had there was there was an impossible situation. God, uh, Jesus had told them to feed this 15,000. God has told us to go into all the world and preach to God. It's an impossible situation. I've had the, I've had the um, eye-opening experience of late over the last several months of talking to numerous people you know, I stand up here and preach to you guys all the time about what's out there. But I've had the, the firsthand experience to talk to numerous people of late that are exactly what we're talking about. Here's the problem. Okay, everybody knows, everybody knows your pastor. Everybody knows how your pastor is. So your pastor has spent his entire life studying the Word of God. Your pastor is all about um, the doctrine and, and what the Bible says, and thus saith the Lord. And, and if someone wants to get into a theological debate, I, I'm glad to do that because I, I enjoy, uh, uh, I know the Bible. What do you do when you sit down, I've had this happen to me several times now, when you sit down to witness to someone, usually the first thing I start off with is, very first thing when I'm witnessing, because it seems like a logical place to start is, I, I look at the person I say, now, I just want to ask you a question. Do you believe the Bible? And when they look back at me and say, no, I don't. <laughs> now what do I do? <laughs> Everything I was going to say now doesn't matter, right? Because they don't believe the Bible. And I'm thinking, well, everything I was going to follow that with uh, is going to come out of the Bible, so you don't believe the Bible, so what do I do now? I just, uh, I mentioned it a few times in passing, but I, there's a, and I've had this experience multiple times with different people of late. I think God's just trying to open my eyes, but there's a man that I work with, and um, I've worked with him for, for 30 some years. I've known this man, and without going into all details, he just lived a really rough life. He's literally dying now. And I went to the hospital to visit him. He knows I'm a pastor. I asked him. I went there specifically to tell him about Jesus. I asked him, do you believe the Bible? No. Never read it. Don't know what it is. <laughs> okay. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, help me out. What do I do? <laughs> what, do I, what do I do now? I said, well, I come to talk to you about Jesus, but you know, that kind of comes from the Bible. And then I said, now this man is dying. You, you can say what you want to. I, I, there are still people who don't believe, and, and, and I don't mean this to be unkind, but there are people who are just still naive that don't believe that this is, this is a reality. But let me tell you, this is a reality. This man is dying. When I, when the first thing, before I talk about church, this man is laying on his deathbed, and he says to me, the doctors have basically said, I have two choices or die. He said, I'm thinking about just taking the third choice and just dying. And he knows even if he doesn't take that choice, he's still dying. So we're not talking about someone who's playing games here. We're talking about someone who's at death's door. And I said, after I asked if you believe the Bible, that I said, well, can I just ask you? I said, how are things with you and the Lord? Oh, oh they're good. They're good. I, I pray every day. Been praying God will heal me. Pray every day. It's okay. He says in... I think it's just about over. I'm just going to a better place. <laughs> what, what do I do at this point? I mean, I'm thinking all the things I studied. <laughs> what am I going to do? You know, they seem almost irrelevant at this point. Now, if you get that, this man is not playing games. He's not putting on a show. He genuinely, in all of his heart, believes 
that he's going to heaven. Facing death's door. I said, well, would it be all right? I said, has anybody ever explained to you salvation? He said, what is that? I said, has anybody ever taught you about getting saved? I don't know what that is. Has anybody ever taught you about becoming a Christian? Never heard of that before. Now what do I do? <laughs> I need to call somebody who knows how to do this because I don't know what I'm doing. He doesn't believe the Bible. He thinks he's going to heaven and he doesn't know what a Christian is. What am I going to do? I said, well, we've been friends for a long time. He was very kind to me. He knows I'm the pastor. I said, I come here and talk to you about the Lord. And you say you don't believe the Bible and you think you're going to heaven, you know, and I was here. But I said, would it, would it be all right if I just shared with you what the Bible says? I said, I, that's, you know, I'm a pastor. That's all I got. But could I just tell you what the Bible says? And so I explained to him, I said, the Bible says that all have sinned. I said, have you ever sinned? Well, yeah, I have. I said, okay. So you, you, you know, you're in agreement so far. The Bible says you, you have sinned. I said, the Bible also says that because you've sinned, the wages of sin is death. I said, that means that when this life is over, death is eternal hell, eternal damnation. And the Bible says that if you're a sinner, you have to go to hell. And he didn't swallow that one so good. And then I said, but there's good news. So there's good news. You are a sinner. And the Bible says you have to die because you are a sinner. But there's good news. Jesus died on a cross to take away your sins so you don't have to go to hell. He already paid for all of your sins. I said, have you ever heard about Jesus? I've heard something about him. Did you know he died on the cross for your sins? Well, I, you know, I heard something about that. He died for your sins. Paid for them in full already. I said, if you will ask him to, if you will repent of your sins and ask him to be your savior, he said he would take all of your sins away. Now, here's a man who's thinking. He was very genuine. He was, it was eye-opening for me. But these are some good questions. He said, now, preacher, I'm listening to everything you're saying. And it just seems like to me that if Jesus already died for my sins, <laughs> then I get to go to heaven. That's logical. That's logical. What he's saying is, I told him Jesus died for his sins. Uh, so he's saying, if he died for my sins, I'm good to go. <laughs> right? I said, well, I said, let me ask you this. I said, you know, me and him worked together. I said, down at the shop, there's a, there's a gift card for $100, and, it, and I want it. And it's down there at the shop. I said, they call me and say, Gary, I've got a gift card here for you for $100. I said, if I never go down there and get that card... Does that car do me a bit of good? He said, no, it don't do you any good. I said, but what happens if I go down there and get it? Then you've got $100. I said, Jesus is right now holding out in his hand the gift of forgiveness of your sins. But I told him, I said, if you don't take that gift, you'll die and go to hell. He said, that makes sense. He looked at me just as serious as serious can be. As earnest as can be, he looked at me in the eye and he said, so you really believe that not everybody's going to heaven? I said, yeah, I really do believe that. 
He was just blown away. He was just blown away. This can't be. I thought everybody. Now, here is a man. I'm not going to break out all of his dirty laundry here. He's promised to come to church here if he doesn't die. But he has lived, I have known this man for, he has lived a very rough life. But this is what he told me out of his own lips. I went to church when I was a little tiny boy, just, just a little kid, and I've not been back since. Knows nothing about God, nothing about it, but he's totally convinced that everybody's going to heaven. After I got through talking to him, after, after we had this conversation, I said, I said, now, I am not the kind of preacher who's going to twist your arm, beat you up, give you a guilt trip. Say you have, you know, I said, I, I have given you the truth as best I can, explain it to you. I said, now the ball's in your court. His attitude changed. He said, I'm afraid. Now, I want you to think about that. Here's somebody that I have, that I have friends with for 30 years, and I went in there... And he was as happy as he could be, thinking, I'm just getting ready to go to a better place. And I completely ruined his day by telling him, you're going to die and go to hell. <laughs> so I said, I, if, I said, the ball's in your court. I said, we can pray right now. I said, we can, we can pray right now. I said, you can pray anytime you want to. I don't have to be here for you to pray. Uh, the Jesus is offering you forgiveness. You just have to accept him as your Savior, repent of your sins, give him your life, and he will take away your sins. I said, uh, you, you, you need to do that. You need to do that right away. We can do it right now. We can do it later. I said, I'll come back in a couple days. He said, would you please come back and see me? So I went back down to him again. I come in. This is one of the first words he said. I said, how you doing? I'm scared. I'm scared. I said, praise God. <laughs> praise God. He's scared. That's what I'm thinking. I didn't say that. But that's what I'm thinking. Now, I say all of that to get you to mind. That's what we're dealing with. And here is what God, just, just as much as if he would have spoken an audible voice, you guys know me. You guys know me. This is what God said to me. So, George, I'm riding around thinking to myself, I know all of this Bible. I could argue him Bible. Not go get him saved. I, could, I can try and give him a guilt trip. I, I, all these everything I could do, none of those things are going to work. And as I prayed for the man and I prayed for him, prayed for him, prayed for him, here's what God began to say to me. If I don't do it, it won't get done. That man will die and go to hell if I, not me, God, doesn't do it. In other words, I as the pastor of this church, I as someone who's given my life to know the word of God, I as someone who stands on the truth, I as someone who, who has declared the gospel for all these years, I can do nothing if God doesn't move. That man's going to burn in hell. And then I had to start praying, not Lord, give me the, give me the magic words to say. Now, now I've got to begin to say, God, you've got to get in his heart and get his attention. Because as it is, I have told him the truth. He has his own truth. He's going to die soon. And, and God, if you don't open his eyes, he's going to burn in the lake fire forever. And God began to speak to me and he began to say, that's what's wrong with evangelism. You know, I know that I know evangelism has changed a lot. 
And I know how we used to do it back in the 70s. And I, and I know all of the things that churches have done. And I know that there are all kinds of manipulations and different things. This might hurt some of your feelings. But can I tell you that if someone comes into this church and they are lost, it is not my job to play enough sad songs and beat them over the head enough to where I can get them to drag them down to the altar. It is God's job to crawl in their heart and convict them and save them. Because if I can convince them to come down here, the devil can convince them to go back out. But if God gets a hold of them, they can't get away from God. And that's what's wrong with evangelism. We, everything we do, it is about what we can do and how we can say and what all of our techniques and plans and methods and, and manipulations. But God says, no, I have to save them or they will not get saved. A subject that probably nobody here understands or knows about or cares about, but there is, a, there is a, there's doctrines that is called the doctrine of Calvinism and the doctrine of Arminianism. And, and, and Brother Miguel, when he very first came into the church, of all things he could ask me, well, the hardest question in the entire Bible, he said, Pastor, what do you believe about Calvinism and Arminianism? <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm not going to get into that whole conversation. But, but here's the thing. I don't understand all that's way over my head. I do believe that man has a free will, but I do believe in a sovereign God. I have fully come to the grips with the fact that it, it is both ways. But I say all that to say this. It isn't us trying to get them to say a prayer. It isn't us trying to get them to do a certain thing. It is God getting in them to save them. Nothing less will do. So we have an impossible situation. Feed the 5,000, go evangelize the world, Sandhill Church, go out and see people saved. We have a clear command, uh, go feed the people. It was very clear, easy to understand, but just as clear as that is, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Listen, I don't need, we, we know it, we believe it, we understand it. It does not need to be told anymore. Everybody here knows we're supposed to be going into all the world preaching the gospel. It seems to me, I don't know if you ever heard a lot of preachers say this, but there's a lot of preachers say this. They say these disciples went to the Jesus Seminary for three years. Have you ever thought about that? So these men, and you read all the stories, you know, they're out on the sea and the, and the wind kicks up and they think they're going to drown. And then, you know, then they're faced with the, uh, the, the man possessed with the, the legion of uh, demons. And then, you know, he, they see the, the um, blind and, the halt and all these different things in Jesus healing them. And then they're, you know, faced with feeding, all these different things. And you're thinking they're in seminary, but it seems like as you read, but I'm not saying Jesus never taught them and I'm not saying he never preached. I, I know that he did, but it seems to me when you go to the Jesus seminar, seminary, he likes to put you in places where only God can do what needs to be done. Do you guys see that? Over and over and over and over again. What was he teaching the disciples? Listen, if I don't come by, the storm's going to get you. If I don't come by, the legion's going to go on possessed. If I don't come by, the blind will never see. If I don't come by, people won't be saved. If I don't come by, you can't feed the 5,000. It's all about me. I think we forgot that somehow. Now, I know at this church, I say that almost every Sunday, that we're, it's all about him. I know that we, we all say amen to that and everything else. But here's my thing. This is kind of a problem. We can get really, really good at having church. But may we never forget we can't have church without Jesus. We've got phenomenal singers here. You guys are great at worshiping. You know, we, we've got everything we need here to have church. We can do all the things here. But can I tell you, we can't have church without Jesus. 
We can't have supernatural things happening without Jesus. So there's a, an impossible uh, um, situation. There is a clear command, go do this. And it is simply by faith that Jesus will get it done. But aren't you thankful for the supernatural solution? Real simple, real simple. It's impossible, feed those 5,000, feed those 15,000. Real, real simple, that's impossible, can't be done. Jesus gives a clear command, do it anyway. Do the impossible. Now, if you're commanded to do the impossible and Jesus says you have to do the impossible, but you know you can't do the impossible, there's only one solution that is supernatural. Could these men at this point work harder to feed those 5,000? No. Could they, could they get busy and come up with a plan or a program or something? No. There was no solution except for God in heaven supernaturally coming down and feeding those 15,000 people. There was no other solution. And it's the same with evangelism. I fear that today in, in the church in America, when it comes to evangelism and soul winning and everything else, I fear that we think we need a better technique, a better manipulation, a better plan, a better way to get them to get saved. We just tell them the right thing. We could just say this right, get them to... Listen, that's not how we need to do this. If the power of God does not come, we won't see people saved. Now, Brother Miguel is going to talk to you tonight about the, the, the training we're going to go through, and I hope that everyone here will participate in that. And I think everybody here knows what we're supposed to. And, and I don't know what uh, vehicle we will use to evangelize, whether it be door knocking, whether it be events in the parking lot, whether it be a multitude of a whole bunch of different things. I don't know. Those of you that went out, and a great number of you went out on Easter, right before Easter when we went out door knocking. I wonder how things would have been different. I know we said we prayed. I know we said we depend on the Lord. I know we say all those things with our lips. I'm trying to show you that sometimes what we say from our lips doesn't come from our heart. But Brother Terry, I wonder how it would be if we said, I know when I knock on this door, God's going to deal with that person on the other side. Not, I hope I say the right words. I'm scared to death they're going to chew me out. You know, but I know God's going to show up and speak to this person. Does that change things? That changes everything. Now, just because Jesus shows up, does that mean everyone falls down on their doorstep and says, I want to get saved? No. But how many of you know that a person can listen to you? I, I still drive by that area that me and, me and Rachel and Jamie went through, that area all those houses go. I drive by it every day going to work. And when I drive by there, I, st I, I pray for I say, Lord, help every one of those houses that we talked to. Help every one of those houses that we gave a, a, um, a brochure to. So here's the thing. If someone doesn't get saved right then, can God make your words just linger in their head and they can't get away from it? And that's what it's about. What I'm trying to show you is this is God. If it's not God, it ain't going to work. Sand Hill Church, listen, we can't come up with a method, a plan, a, a style, a technique. We can't come up with something to see people say. We've got to say, God, I cannot do this. If you command me to do it, you're going to have to do it for us because we cannot do this. As your pastor, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to tell you guys to do this. But I do know that it will take a supernatural God if we get it done. Will you guys have that? Will you guys have that? So, real quickly, 
and I, don't, I do not say this to try to offend. Most of you probably already know how I feel about this, but I do not say this to, to offend. But if we would take all the churches across the country, I believe most of them will fall. And I'm talking about real churches. I'm talking about the, about the real churches. I believe most of them fall into two categories. We have the church that says we're just going to let the Spirit of the Lord lead. We're not going to plan anything. We're not going to organize anything. We're just going to wing everything. The, the, the key to their services, let's just let the Lord have his way. And, and anybody do anything they want to, and we're just going to let the Lord lead us, right? Not really interested in the Bible, not really interested in studying the Bible, not really interested in any of that. We just, we just want to just let the Lord have his way. We all been there. We know what I'm talking about. That, that, that is one way of thinking. They give lip service to the Bible, which means they say, oh, we believe in the Bible. We're not interested in studying the Bible, learning it in depth, but we, we believe in the Bible, of course. We're Christians, but we want the Spirit to lead. And what they mean by that is, what they mean by that is, when I get a feeling, when I get a feeling, that must be God. When I get a feeling to witness, when I get a feeling to whatever, uh, when, you know, when, I get it, when I'm in church and I get a feeling, then that means it's God. Okay? But here's my question, and my, mind, my analytical mind just, just kills you on this. Here's a pragmatic question. Is it working? That's, that's the pragmatic question. Is it working? In other words, if we, if, we, if we do that, is it producing strong Christians who are living by the Word of God, who are living holy lives, who are seeing people saved on a regular basis? The answer is no. So, then we, so that, that's a big, huge chunk of, of all the churches, whatever denomination they may be, that's a big hunk of the churches that there are out there. So then we have this other group of churches, and they're Bible people. And they want to come to church and they want to study the Bible. Well, they want to get deep into the doctrine. And they want to organize and have everything planned out and have everything just run with excellence. And it's just exactly the way. Everything is just perfect. And they give lip service to the Spirit. Oh, we believe in the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit. Kind of like they give lip service to the Bible. Is anybody following me here? But is that working? Now, anybody who knows me knows which one I'm... <laughs> I'm in favor of which one I lean towards, right? I believe in doing things by excellence. I believe in studying the Word of God. I believe that that is, that is paramount to what we do here. But here's the thing. I do believe that both of those groups are missing it. And when I say missing it, what I mean is, I believe the group who thinks they're being led by the Spirit, I believe they're missing the Spirit. And I believe the group that wants to study the Bible and says they believe in the Spirit are missing the Spirit. Now, here's something, here's, here's really, I wanted to preach about evangelism this morning, and, and I hope that you guys are getting the idea on evangelism, but here's really what God's been laying on my heart. And if you guys will have this, I hope this doesn't confuse you, but I, I really need you guys to, to focus in right now, uh, please. The charismatic movement has robbed us of the supernatural in our churches. Because of all the crazy things that they do and all the crazy things that we see on TV and all the different crazy things we do, we say as Baptists, oh, we got to get away from that because that, that, that's not of God. Now, I agree that's not of God, but that doesn't mean miracles are not of God. Right? And, and we want to have church, but without seeing the supernatural show up. And we're afraid to get too close to that edge, because if we get too close to that edge, we'll become charismatic. So we've got to stay way over here so we don't take any chances, or we'll become like one of those churches who has just let the Lord lead. And we don't want either of them, so we're going to stay way over here in this nice, neat, tightly corner where we control everything, and everything's the way we want it, and we study the Word of God, and we all do what the Bible says, and we never see any miracles happening. 
Is there anybody here that still believes in miracles in 2021? Do you believe God can do the impossible? Does anybody want to see him do it right here? Can we do that without becoming a charismatic church? We do it by following the Bible. Now, I don't know about you. I know that if we had a blind person come in this morning, we saw them get their sight back. If we saw a lame person come in and start walking, if we, if we saw a dead person in here rise from the dead, that'd be pretty cool, right? I, I know that we would think, well, that was a good miracle. But can I tell you the greatest miracle God ever does? Save a lost soul. It's the greatest miracle God can do. And we cannot do that. I, as the preacher, cannot do this. I, I, Sister Laura's here this morning, and she, I, I know I use her all the time, and, and she's giving me permission, but, but she's such a blessing to me. She really, really is. But now I know this is going to offend a whole bunch of you, and I don't mean it to be offensive. I just want you to understand. I'm not like any other pastor you've ever had. I'm not like any other pastor you've probably ever been around. But it's always been when Sister Laura gets here, lost person. Preach a damnation service and make her feel bad. And when she can't take it anymore, we'll get her to the altar. Praise God. And play five songs and I'll work on it until I can get her down here. Problem is she didn't know she was lost. <laughs> she didn't know she was lost. You know what she needed? She came to church over and over and over and over. Why aren't you preaching damnation? Why aren't you preaching hellfire damnation? Why aren't you making her feel bad? Why aren't you getting to her? Because God has to save her, not me. And one precious day, she sat in my living room and we talked about the gospel over and over and over. And she said, that's what I believe. I'm a Christian. Can I tell you, pastor didn't do that. God did that. We need God to save people and not man to save people. I know it's a big controversy, a big conflict in a lot of churches, a lot of churches we're associated with, a lot of churches. But you know, <laughs> God help me. I know we're online. <laughs> Do you know what the problem is? Why we have people come to the altar and get saved and then they don't live a life and they go back out and life? Because the preacher got them saved instead of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit saves you, you can't get away from it. But if the preacher can get you down here, the devil can get you right back out in the world. And that's what the difference is. And it's saying if we want to start evangelizing, we need to say, God, I cannot do this. I need you to do this. Not with our lips, but with our heart. Do you guys see the difference? I know everybody here says, oh, we need God, we need the Spirit. I know we say that with our lips. I'm talking about in our heart of hearts. We know we cannot evangelize unless God Almighty shows up and does it. Now, we're going we're gonna, to um, have a tra some training to try and help us to understand how to do these things. We're probably going to... Um, come up with different ways of, of going out and witnessing to people. I'm going to encourage all of you that are here to tell everybody that you see about Jesus, right? Talk to them, your friends, your family, people at work, people at the store, be witnessing to them. We need to be doing that. But if you witness to someone at Bob Evans, that's fantastic. But if God doesn't show up, that person will never be saved. You guys get that? We got to get that in our hearts. Because when Jesus commanded them to do that, it was already a reality. It was already taken care of. And those men couldn't do it. But when they did, I'm not going to read you the rest of the story. We all know the rest of the story. But Jesus, um, I do like this part right here. This, this occurred to me years and years and years ago. I love this part of the story. But Terry, here's what the Bible says. It said, Jesus took the bread and broke it. Who knows what Jesus did with the bread? Does anybody know what Jesus did with the bread? 
No, he gave it to his disciples. He said, go give it to them. I'm giving you this. Go give it to them. Boy, that went all over me years and years ago. Is anybody getting that? So he died on a cross and give us the gospel. And if you'll have it, if you'll allow me, he's breaking it off and he's giving it to you. And he lays in here, take that and go give that to somebody. And when you do, I will multiply it and you won't believe what it's going to do when you give it to them in my name. And that's evangelism, people. This world's in trouble. I think we all see that this country's going downhill in a hurry. The world's going downhill in a hurry. Sister Amanda, I'm sorry, sweetie, but I'm afraid the end's coming. But can I tell you, we need to get as many people out of hell before, we, before that happens as we can. If we don't do it, who's going to? If we don't do it, who's going to? Right? So my challenge today is, this morning, it's got to be supernatural. I'm not talking about throwing the Bible out and being crazy. I'm talking about we stand on the Word of God and we know we need a miracle. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.